you really wanna know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. going on Mountaineer Nation. Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast brought to you by Trio 4 Productions. We are the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics found on the web at almostheavenathletics.com. Here today to recap the Baylor versus West Virginia game while also previewing the Texas Tech versus West Virginia game that is coming up this Saturday, November 9th. Later on in the show, we'll give you a preview of that. Um, not joined by anyone from the Almost Heaven Athletics family this time. Uh, my normal co-hosts, Bradley and Steven, um, both busy schedules this week. I've had a busy schedule this week. That's why I'm kind of doing a joint episode and bringing it to you a little bit later than what we usually do. Hadn't got to do a Baylor recap yet, so we're going to do a little joint episode of the Baylor recap and Texas Tech preview all in one here. And um, unfortunately, you will only have to you will have to deal with my voice only for this episode as I will be rocking this one out solo dolo. So let's get things started with the recap of the West Virginia vs. Baylor game on Halloween night. So West Virginia went into Waco to take on 12th ranked at the time, undefeated, only undefeated team in the Big 12, the Baylor Bears, and West Virginia put on a hell of a fight against the Bears. I think impressed. Uh, A lot of people didn't think it would be that close. I believe it was a 17 or 18 point spread. In the end, West Virginia's defense shows up in a big way. They hold Baylor at only 17 points, but they fall at the end, just kind of running out of time there at the end. Baylor defeated West Virginia 17 to 14 on Halloween night, and the Mountaineers fall to three and five overall and one and four in the conference following that game. But even though the game resulted in West Virginia's fourth consecutive loss and a winless October, there were certainly some bright spots that were in the game, especially on the defensive side of the football. Uh, by the way, West Virginia performed in that one. I think that you know the defense has had moments throughout the season where you saw that they were. Um, performing well and, and had some potential. And I think this is the kind of the game where you see them put that all together and play, a, you know, a complete game defensively, really playing hard from beginning to end and making plays all over the field, especially along the uh, defensive line there. So very, very impressive job. I got a few stats for you, but the one stat that I want to get to for sure is uh, Scotty Swingler, who hosts the Please Bear With Me podcast, a Baylor podcast over on Baylor's 247 uh, site, com. He had me on uh, to help preview the West Virginia Baylor game on his podcast. Great show. Check it out if you like other Big 12 podcasts. Please Bear With Me is a great one, but... Um, we had kind of we've kind of corresponded, and um, he sent me a message after after the game. And uh, one of the stats that really I wanted to present to you guys that stuck out to this week that he shared with me was was this here, and that is Charlie Brewer had only been sacked 14 times before the game against West Virginia. West Virginia sacked him eight times, so over 33% of Charlie Brewer's sacks on this season happened during that game against West Virginia. It's unreal how West Virginia how well they did with their their blitz packages and how well they game planned it up to try and scheme 
and slow down that Baylor offense. And I think that uh, Vic Coning and the West Virginia defensive staff knew that their kind of chance to slow down this Baylor offense was going to have to come via getting pressure on Charlie Brewer because without that, he's going to hurt you and make plays, as he still did, finishing with a great completion percentage when he had time. He made the plays that they needed to make. But West Virginia did a great job of getting to the quarterback for sure. You know, 20 of 26 still for Charlie Brewer. So that shows when he has time, he's very dangerous and, you know, he avoided a few more sacks. West Virginia could have maybe had double-digit sacks in that game. So, But still very impressive. Over 33% of Charlie Brewer's sacks on the 2019 season came at the hands of West Virginia in a single game. So very impressive job by the defensive staff. And they did it, you know, shorthanded too. They didn't have a lot of linebackers. Um, Quandarius Qualls was out for that game, and it since have learned that he underwent season-ending surgery. So that's your two starting – well, your two guys that you had at Bandit, your starter Qualls and your backup that was split in time with him, Cowan. Both of the two Bandit linebackers have gone down and are out for the season. So that prompted a move of Dylan Tonkery from the Mike linebacker position to the Bandit linebacker position where he played one of the better games of his career. And so he's expected to stay at that Bandit linebacker position moving forward. But, you know, West Virginia in that game lost a handful of players, too. They came into the game without Giovanni Haskins, tight end, without linebacker Josh Chandler, as I mentioned, without linebacker Quandarius Qualls, and even without kicker Evan Staley, who uh, underwent a, I believe it's a groin injury, a muscle injury, so he's kind of nursing that, wasn't able to go. Casey Legg uh, held handled the kicking duties for the Mountaineer. Talk more about that here in a little bit. But then also during the game, West Virginia lost a handful of players as well. Um, losing starting safety Josh Norwood to targeting, losing safety Noah Guzman, who had not played a lot, played sparingly, but played a ton in this Baylor game as they went with more safeties and only like a one linebacker kind of look, so kind of like a 3-1-7 type deal on defense at times, and Guzman really stepped up 11 tackles he had before getting knocked out of the game. And then also uh, right guard Chase Barrett was knocked out of the game. Um, halfback Kennedy McCoy was knocked out of the game, and wide receiver T.J. Simmons was knocked out of the game. So a shorthanded West Virginia defense to be able to do what they did is very impressive. And then on the flip side, the West Virginia offense suffering some losses is devastating to a group that really just has never found their footing yet this season. Unfortunately, that continued against Baylor. Uh, the West Virginia offense still really couldn't get anything going for as well as the defense played. The offense played you know, just as horrendously. Um, third straight week, or third straight game, rather, where West Virginia was held to 14 points, scored 14 against Iowa State, 14 against Oklahoma, and 14 against Baylor. So something hopefully has got to give on the offensive side of the football for West Virginia because it's just been abysmal right now. Um, The offense did have two good drives in the game, and the two decent drives that West Virginia had in the game they get down near scoring position. One time, I believe, it was first and goal. The other time, I think they were in the red zone or just on the cusp of it. And the center snapped the ball over uh, Austin Kittle's head one time. They were able to cover that one, but, of course, killed the drive. And then another time, this is when it was first and goal, uh, snapped it over Kennedy McCoy's head, who was lined up in the Wildcat at the time. They were not able to recover that one. Baylor gets it. So, you know, the two good drives that you had in the game both end because of errant snaps. So that that hurt you. And, you know, West Virginia's offense, outside of those two drives, just, as I said, just very inept. 219 yards of total offense. Two of five come through the air. Only 14 coming on the ground. Three of 17 on third down. So anytime you have those type of numbers, it's going to be really hard to get it done. But the defense did do their part, as I said, 
totaling eight sacks as well as 12 tackles for her loss. Um, you know, the kind of bright spots for West Virginia special teams performed well. Again, Josh Ground did his job, and the Mountaineers have found themselves a kick returner in Winston Wright. Winston Wright steps in, down 14-7, on the road, hostile environment, top team in the Big 12, undefeated, one of the top 15 teams nationally. They say, hey, why don't you go return this kick? You know, first ever time, never returned a kick yet in college. He said, all right, you know, he stepped right up to the plate. You know, didn't ask no questions. They wanted to be the kick returner. He goes out there, fields the ball on the five-yard line, hit falls his blocks up the sideline. 95 yards later, he's in the end zone on his first career collegiate kick return. So I think the Mountaineers definitely found themselves a kick returner, and you'll see Winston Wright uh, returning kicks for the Mountaineers for the rest of this season, and rightfully so after doing that on his first ever attempt at doing so. And then, of course, the other big play the Mountaineers had was an 83-yard pass play, longest play of the season. Longest uh, since 2010, I believe, was the stat. But uh, Austin Kendall hit George Campbell for 83-yard touchdown pass, and uh, both of those were big plays. Well, the 83-yard pass tied it up at 7-7, and the kick return tied it up at 14-14, which is where it was for most of the second half before Baylor gets a field goal. West Virginia has a field goal blocked. Uh, West Virginia stops Baylor, but not before Baylor converts a big a big first down, and then the Mountaineers get the ball back with hardly no time, and the clock runs out resulting in the Baylor victory. So all in all, offense still kind of same old same, not not being able to run the football, just really have to find some kind of spark on offense. And defense, just a valiant effort, playing lights out, very impressive, and hopefully they can keep up that level of play for the rest of the season. And if the defense can do that, the team will have some chance, a chance to win some games um, moving forward in these final four contests of the season, of which West Virginia needs to win three to obtain bowl eligibility. So going to be a big part. I know on our last show I said, you know, I'd be – if the offense doesn't go going, I'd be surprised if West Virginia wins anymore. But if the defense is playing at that level that they played in that Baylor game for the rest of the season um, – don't call it a comeback, but West Virginia has a shot to make a bowl game if the defense can keep up that type of play and if the offense can just find some kind of spark. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. But uh, before we wrap up, Baylor, I'll hand out players of the game. Offensively, my player of the game against the Baylor Bears, uh, George Campbell. As I mentioned, he hauled in the 83-yard touchdown from Austin Kendall. Huge play. I mean, without that play, West Virginia is sitting at 100 and some yards of total offense. So huge play not only to tie the game up, but also just as far as West Virginia's offensive output, you know, that was almost 50% of their offensive output in the game. So big play by George Campbell, and that's just kind of been his uh, story this year. George Campbell has six receptions this season. Four of them have gone for touchdowns. So, you know, maybe maybe he'll uh, see a little bit more action in these last four games and continue that trend of uh, being a touchdown maker. So. We'll see what happens. And then flip over on the other side. My player of the game on the defensive side. How could you go anywhere else? Darius Stills, the nose guard. Dante, his brother, had a good game. Also had two sacks. But Darius Stills was a monster and knew he was going to be a monster from the beginning of the game. He sought out Molly McGrath, ESPN sideline reporter. Told her, report this. Baylor's offensive line is soft, which, hey, you know, some people agree with him doing that. Some people say, hey, you shouldn't do that. Whatever side of it you're on, the one thing that you can agree with is that if you're going to do some talking like that, you better be able to back it up. And Darius Stills backed it up all game long. He walked, he talked to talk, and then he walked the walk, resulting in 10 tackles, 
three sacks and three tackles for loss. One of the more dominant performances by a WVU defensive lineman in quite some time. And if I do say so myself, I think this game that West Virginia's defense put together against Baylor was one of the best defensive games I've seen WVU play in, in probably a decade. So despite the loss, there definitely was some bright spots against the Baylor Bears. So that kind of wraps up our Baylor recap portion of the show. We're going to get into our Texas Tech preview now, but before we do that, let's talk about some Mountaineer football news. All right, so this week in Mountaineer football news, there's a few things to cover, mainly those being departures and injuries. Um, Departure-wise, West Virginia did learn this week during Neil Brown's press conference that Two Mountaineers have decided to enter the transfer portal, one being someone who has not seen action yet this season and wide receiver Ricky Johns. Johns came to West Virginia as a safety before moving over to the position of wide receiver, saw action in about three games last year, I believe, had not seen action this year, and deciding to enter the transfer portal. The transfer portal, rather, excuse me. And then the other player entering the transfer transfer. God, why is that so hard to say at night? Transfer portal is quarterback Jack Allison. Jack Allison transferred to West West Virginia from Miami, uh, sat out 2017, uh, 2018, backed up Will Greer, saw some action in spot duty. Um, This season was in the competition, lost out to Austin Kendall, saw some action against Missouri, and then also saw some action against Iowa State when Austin Kittle was knocked out of that game. So he's decided to uh, move on, enter the transfer portal, and is no longer with the team. Beyond those two departures, you now have uh, an extensive injury update that was given by Neil Brown during his press conference as far as his upcoming game against Texas Tech. In this game, out is wide receiver Sean Ryan and Treshawn Miller, who remain out. Hopefully, the coaches are expecting them to return within the next couple of weeks. Uh, Ryan hasn't played since early in the season. Treshawn Miller has not played at all this season. As I mentioned, Quandarius Qualls out, going to be out for the season after suffering surgery. Doubtful was T.J. Simmons, the wide receiver, had been in as leading wide receiver, and kicker Evan Staley. And then questionable for this game is linebacker Josh Chandler, safety safety Noah Guzman, guard Chase Barrett, halfback Kennedy McCoy, and then probable, hopefully returning to action, will be tight end Giovanni Haskins. So a few departures and some injury news, but that pretty much covers it for this week's edition of Mountaineer Football News. On to the Texas Tech preview. Alright, so the West Virginia Mountaineers will match up with the Texas Tech Red Raiders in the ninth game of the 2019 West Virginia football season. West Virginia returns home to play the game at Milan Puskar Stadium. The game will take place at noon on Saturday, November 9th. It's going to be televised on ESPN2. Texas Tech comes into the game with the same record as West Virginia, both being 3-5. However, Texas Tech is the owner of a 0-5 winless Big 12 Conference record at this point. Some interesting notes um, is that this is kind of that four-game window. West Virginia has four games left, so they can start playing the freshman. They intend to redshirt, can play in up to four games, still maintain that redshirt. So you may see guys like running back Tony Mathis. I think you'll see him uh, this weekend against Texas Tech. And, of course, the big the big story that everybody's been talking about is quarterback Jarrett Dagey. Transferred from Bowling Green, started uh, the past two seasons for Bowling Green, his true freshman and sophomore seasons at, uh, at Bowling Green. 
Green. So we'll be interested to see how he factors in, uh, especially with Jack Allison transferring out. Uh, Daigie and Lowe are kind of competing for that backup job is the way that uh, Neil Brown put it this week. And when he was pressed to, uh, you know, see if he had any plans to use either one of those guys, Neil Brown did say that there is plans for the use of both, either or both of those guys, uh, but he didn't really want to divulge those plans and, you know, let Texas Tech in on those. So we'll see how they plan to use them. But I do think, um, probably not going out too far of a limb by saying this, I think we'll see Jarrett Daigie get some action on Saturday against Texas Tech. When that comes, I'm not exactly sure, but I think Jarrett Daigie, you know, We've heard that he has the best arm. He has the most experience of the quarterbacks. They were just kind of waiting so they could still, you know, give him that red shirt and have him back for next season because it'll probably be a competition between him and Kendall for 2020 starting quarterback is what everyone's assuming. So we'll see how it goes, and it'll be nice to see him get on the field, and I think you'll see that here against Texas Tech. So um, as I mentioned, uh, Dylan Tonkery will continue to play the bandit linebacker spot after the – Quandarius Qualtz and Vandarius Cowan, both bandits, have uh, gone down earlier uh, in the season and are out for the season. So that pushes Shea Campbell to the starter at Mike when they use one. And you may have uh, Josh Chandler back at the weak sideline backer. If not, you will see Eggsry Lowe get the start there again. So. And then, as I mentioned, Tony Mathis is another guy that's going to see action. He's a true freshman running back. Coach is kind of high on him. So, interesting to see how he factors in and, if anything, can provide a spark to the West Virginia run game at this point. I don't think it's a running back issue. I think we can all agree it's probably an offensive line issue um, with the ineptitude. Is that a word? I don't know. Ineptitude sounds good. But the best way I can put it is West Virginia's running game has been very inept thus far this season near the bottom in college football so anything you think is going to give you a spark there definitely i say try it and go for it so as far as this texas tech squad uh first year coach and matt wells came from utah state um kind of similar situation as west virginia coming into this one is both the three and five i think many didn't expect that from texas tech they kind of thought they had the most uh ready roster to compete this year out of the first year coaches and it's it's kind of turned out that kansas state is playing that role that many thought texas tech might as kansas state is really hot right now moving through the conference having beat oklahoma and uh beating kansas handily last week as well so texas tech three and five same record as west virginia two first year coaches matching up um Texas Tech, you know, the bright spot for them last year, I think, was quarterback Alan Bowman. And, you know, he ended up having some injury problems last year. This year, unfortunately, that's been the case as well. Jet Duffy has been playing quarterback for the Red Raiders, although Alan Bowman is believed to be nearing 100%. Going to travel with the team. Uh, West Virginia coaches said, you know, they think that they could see him, but it's likely that they, they will still hold Alan Bowman out of this one, but they're preparing just in case he does return to the field. But if not, they will see Jet Duffy, which a lot of these West Virginia defenders should be familiar with, having faced him last season when Bowman went down in the game in Lubbock. The West Virginia ended up winning by three. So Jet Duffy at quarterback has had a mixed success thus far this year. Had some really good games and then had some up and down games as well. But, you know, as West Virginia fans probably know from watching him last season, he can hurt you with his arms and he can hurt you with his legs. Has one rushing touchdown so far this season, but he also has 1,420 passing yards and nine touchdowns versus only two interceptions. 
when he goes to the air, his favorite target is TJ Vasher, six foot six receiver, leads the Red Raiders in catches, yards, and touchdowns. 37 receptions, 473 yards, and six touchdowns for the tall target. So should be a good matchup there. Keith Washington will likely try and lock him down in this one or hopefully can do a good job doing so. But another thing that Texas Tech, you're seeing more this season under Matt Wills than you have in years past, I think, is uh, trying to utilize the run game a little bit more. And they've had pretty good success with that, led by Sadarik Thompson, I think that's how you pronounce it. So, no, Sir Roderick, I believe is how you pronounce it. Excuse me. Sir Roderick Thompson is the leading rusher this year. 549 rushing yards, rather, and eight touchdowns, averaging over 5.2, excuse me, averaging 5.2 yards per carry, so averaging over five yards per carry. That's impressive. Good season there from Sir Roderick Thompson. But they also have other capable backs in Shine and Henry, who have both toted the rock for them with success so far this season. So... West Virginia defense really just needs to try and duplicate the performance they had against Baylor. If West Virginia's defensive line performs the way that they did against Baylor, I think that they should have a good good chance of being able to slow down this Texas Tech offense. Um, Jet Duffy can make some plays with his legs, and you know his arm is kind of slept on, but his arm talent is nowhere near that of Charlie Brewer. And if West Virginia can hold Baylor the way that they did and they can duplicate that success, they should be able to get some stops against this Texas Tech offense as well. Um, I like the matchup for West Virginia in this one. The only thing that concerns me is kind of the tall receiver in Vasher and if West Virginia struggles against the run because at times that has been the case this season. So hopefully West Virginia's run defense comes ready in this one. They stop the run first and then they can focus on getting pressure on Jet Duffy and not allowing him to have those long pass plays that can develop downfield to this tall receivers and guys like TJ Vasher. So Kind of the point of attack for the West Virginia defense. Flipping it over on the other side of the ball, talking about the West Virginia offense versus the Texas Tech defense. As I mentioned, the West Virginia offense, you know, really struggling as of late, only scoring 14 points in three consecutive contests. So they really, you know, just really down on their luck offensively right now. Run game's not working. Uh, pass game is providing most of the yards, but still has not been very successful. Haven't been able to throw the ball downfield a lot. Uh, they had the one big pass play against Baylor. But other than that, you know, it's kind of been a stuck between a rock and a hard place offensively for West Virginia. So, you know, they need to try and get something going. Good news is that if they're going to be able to – get something going, they can likely get something going against this Texas Tech defense, which has been up and down this season. Texas Tech defensive coordinator is Keith Patterson, who I'm sure Mountaineer fans are familiar with, uh, was a defensive coordinator at West Virginia for a year back in 2014, I want to say, 2013 or 2014. Uh, I think 2013, actually, but no, nonetheless, uh, Keith Patterson, and I think he was a defensive coordinator at Arizona State when West Virginia played them in the Cactus Bowl in 2015 as well. So uh, Keith Patterson's defense, he runs a 3-3-5 scheme, but it's also very what I like to call high-risk, high-reward defense. It really just prides itself and is very dependent on forcing turnovers. So when Texas Tech has been able to force turnovers, they've had some success defensively. But when they have not been able to create those turnovers, they've given up you know chunks of yardage and big plays and you know high-scoring and a lot of yards so it's really just you know uh like i said high risk high reward you know uh, if you can get some turnovers good if not you know it's going to stay on the field some so if West Virginia's offense is able to find some some success excuse me i'm having trouble talking tonight for some reason but 
if they're able to find some success and, you know, maybe build some momentum, this could be the week to do it against this Texas Tech defense. So fingers crossed the Virginia offense may finally be able to get something going this week and maybe one of these new faces that we talked about in Daggy or Lowe or Tony Mathis or someone could provide a spark for this offense. So we'll see because on defense, Texas Tech does have some very talented players, uh, mainly the top two being – Linebacker Jordan Brooks leads the Big 12 Conference in tackles, and I believe he's near the top nationally as well. Very solid linebacker. Uh, very successful for the uh, T- uh, Texas Tech defense, rather. And um, I think that he's a guy that you'll see making a lot of tackles in the game on Saturday. And then defensive back Douglas Coleman has seven interceptions on the season, which leads the nation currently. So, as I said, you know, high-risk, high-reward defense for Texas Tech. And when they've been rewarded, it's been via turnovers and mostly via interceptions by Coleman. With seven interceptions, that's impressive, um, you know, impressive number there. So, we'll see if he can make some plays on Saturday against the Mountaineers. Um, hopefully, uh, not too many turnovers and, you know, throw away – throw away from his side, you know, throw to the other side, try and keep the ball away from him because he seems like a real ball hawk with seven interceptions. So we'll see what happens there, and maybe the West Virginia offense can get something going against this high-risk, high-reward defense. And, you know, you just kind of hope that the West Virginia defense doesn't rest on their laurels after a big performance against Baylor and think they're going to dominate this Texas Tech offense and then end up giving up a lot of points or a lot of yards because the West Virginia offense really can't endure that unless something drastic changes that hasn't been the case thus far this season. So we need another good performance from the West Virginia defense in this one, and hopefully they'll be able to do that because I'm sure Texas Tech will be ready and prepared as they've had two weeks to prepare prepare for this one versus West Virginia's nine or ten days. So, Having said that, let's get into X-Factors and predictions for this game against Texas Tech. Alright, my X-Factor in this one, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the X-Factor for me is find a spark on offense. West Virginia has to have something give on the offensive side of the football to try and get something going. It's just been abysmal as of late, and they need some kind of spark. Could Jared Daigie be that spark? Possibly, but they need something to be that spark and come in and shake things up and, and change the offense's fortunes for the better. So, you know, maybe Kendall has a couple bad drives, a couple three now. It's Derek Daigie comes in and creates a spark. Uh, maybe Tony Mathis breaks a big play, playing at running back for the first time. You know, maybe Trey Lowe, who we've seen, maybe he gets a little bit more action and he creates the spark. But whatever it is, whoever it is, however it happens, West Virginia needs to find a spark on offense. And that is my X factor in this game against Texas Tech. <laughs> All right, as far as prediction, prediction time, you know, comes every week. Uh, gets harder and harder uh, when you got a team like West Virginia, especially coming off four consecutive losses. Uh, it gets to the point where you're like, man, you know, I'm really going against the grain if I pick them to win at this point. But then also it's like how long can this losing streak last? So kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place trying to predict these games. I think Texas Tech's favored by two or three points um, the last time I checked the spread. But – I really like West Virginia's chances in this one. I think that this is the most winnable game they have remaining on the schedule. And needing to win three out of the final four that they're about to play in order to obtain bowl eligibility, I think this is the one that you have to get. This is a must win for West Virginia. 
and like I said, the most winnable game they have left on their schedule. So I hope the defense comes out hungry and plays like they did against Baylor, and hopefully the offense can find that spark. And I think they will, at least to some extent, score more than 14 points in this game. And I think the Mountaineers come out on top and get back on the winning track, snap their four-game losing streak, win at home at Milan Puskar Stadium, their first game back there in quite some time. Hopefully the crowd's into it. And I think West Virginia finds a way to win this one. And I've got West Virginia winning 24-21 to over Texas Tech on Saturday. All right, so having said that, that will pretty much wrap up this edition of the Country Roads webcast brought to you by Trio 4 Productions. We are the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics, found on the web at almostheavenathletics.com. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can always do that uh, live tweet during games, you know, constant updates as much as we can throughout the week and that can be found on twitter at wvu country roads and if you'd like to follow almost heaven athletics on twitter you can do that as well at ah athletics wv and then as always please subscribe to us on whatever platform you like to listen to your podcast you can find us on google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify um you name it you can find the country roads webcast just search country roads webcast like us subscribe to us leave us a review if you would and most importantly share us as we continue to try and grow throughout mountaineer nation as the season progresses um i think steven who's usually on here as a co-host for the football show he's going to be the host for the basketball edition of the country roads webcast i think they're going to try and drop an episode uh weekly if possible maybe bi-weekly even at times so they should be dropping their first episode of the basketball podcast here in the near future so be on the lookout for that um hopefully those guys will be able to join me next week as we recap this game against texas tech and then preview what's next to come in west virginia's 2019 football season so be on the lookout for more from the country roads webcast as always trying to keep you up to date on mountaineer athletics here at almost heaven athletics so Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go Mountaineers. Country roads take me home.